Hello and welcome to this latest episode of Betfair Weighed In. I am back and I'm excited. I say I'm back, it's because I've been in my bed for four days since racing any better, which essentially killed me off. I've been struck down by an illness and it's not been good but today I woke up and I can breathe and I can talk and I'm back feeling good and whilst I was in my bed I reflected on the fact that some things in the UK just never change literally just like World Cup heartbreak as standard, missed penalty as standard, everyone hates the French as standard, we get half an inch of snow and it goes to minus two and the world completely stops I mean, literally, just nobody can drive, no one can go anywhere, and we can't even race on the all-weather. But everyone around me in my little village seems in very Christmassy form, as are you, TC. Are you in cheery cheery Christmas? By the sounds of you, what we got updates from last week, if you're a racehorse, you'd be out of Cheltenham already, wouldn't you? (laughs) You had all kinds of ailments, didn't you? Yeah. also, well, Vanessa, you, you, you've missed four days, so I think that's justification to go hashtag straight to Cheltenham. I would be Definitely straight to Cheltenham. Cheltenham. Honestly, if I was <laughs> under the care of Nicky Henderson, I wouldn't be doing a shift now until Cheltenham. 100. <laughs> I, I tell you what, do you, I, it was when obviously Cheltenham bores me a bit, but that horse that you love, I don't know, I didn't listen in last week, but that Marie Nationale, they say, oh, yeah, he's had his one, straight to Cheltenham. Yeah, straight to Cheltenham. To Cheltenham. Yeah. What yeah. are you doing? What are you doing? <laughs> now, I, I, like, you can kind of half justify it because he kind of kept going all the way through the summer, but, geez, with the way he jumps now, you'd love to get at least one more into him, but anyway, there you go. Yeah, straight to Cheltenham, it is. Straight to Cheltenham for me, too. Uh, one horse that hopefully will not be going straight to Cheltenham from winning at the weekend. We did have a bit of racing at the weekend. That was, of course, at Cork on Sunday, and we got to see a Nergimin win the Hilly Way for a second time. Essentially, just a piece of work around there. Absolutely dotted in, and is now four to five from Evens for the champion chase. What did you make of the performance, Kev? Sure, it's grand. Yeah, like did what he had to do. Does what he does. Like he's kind of a, he's always been like a, a low, a quite low aggressive jumper, and he can kind of go through the top of them at times. Like you know, give you a small bit of anxiety. But um, jumped out, made the run, and did his thing. Won well. Um, didn't have to do anything spectacular. Um, like time was slower than the, the, the mayor's novice chase on the same card. Um, which we'll be talking about, I'm sure, because that's all notable performance. But um, yeah, look, Grand, you'd be, you'd be happy. He's back. Um, looking forward to seeing him again in a, in a deeper contest. Um, yeah, you know. <laughs> no, I know. It's sort of like not much more to report type of performance, wasn't it? I mean, yeah. um, afterwards, Paul Townend was quoted as saying that, you know, when asked about Edward Stone and what he did in the Tingle Creek TC, Paul Townend was quick to say that he wouldn't be swapping his mount. And obviously at the prices and given that he's the reigning champion, Chasey, obviously he wouldn't be. But at this point, Edward Stone has done more than an argument this season. And I think they're closer in ability than the betting currently suggests anyway. Um, well, the official ratings would say that's not the case. I think Edward Stone... Went up to 170, didn't he? But I think, you know, they could have gone a lot higher there if they had rated that on a strip line through Grenatine and the horses and by. But yeah, I mean, it's it's shaping up into being a, a very kind of like hollow race, that isn't it? That the champion chase. Uh, bookmakers get a lot of grief for 
for cutting an, an ergamine uh, and horses like that after winning at you know heavy odds on on their debut uh, on their That's seasonal fine. reappearance. They cut Obviously, Facile Vega was another example there, but um, the cut on Facile Vega was was pretty hard to justify, but. Emergamine, it's very easy to justify here, isn't it? You just go and have a look at that race. You mentioned Edward Stone, and then you've got the next one in the market is 16 to 1 Shishkin, and you wouldn't be backing that because it's probably not going to be even aimed at the race, is he? So um, I think it's probably justified cutting him from evens to four to five because he's alive and well, and he's, you know, and he's uh, he's come out and, and shown his well-being. But yeah, it's uh, that that race is. That race is not great at the moment, not looking great at the moment. Okay, nothing to get too excited about then so far on the show, <laughs> boys. Um, do you want to talk about imper- impervious now, um, Kevin? You mentioned the mayor's chase on obviously the race before beating Dino Blue. Great win for Brian Hayes and um, proving that the time before was absolutely no fluke, basically. Yeah, like, like she's always been a very nice mayor. Like you look back through her form. And, and she's looked very promising from the get-go, really. And, like, I think last season kind of went a little bit wrong. She had um, she had some sort of a hold-up there um, after the Royal Bond uh, that made her kind of touch and go to get to Cheltenham. And they had to kind of rush her to get her there. And she just shaped like she needed the run. And then she was a little bit disappointing at, at Fairy House. Maybe the rush prep for Cheltenham caught her out. But, um, look, she's a chasing type. And she was really good at Wexford first time. Um, jumping was particularly impressive. And like she faced a, a, a pretty tough task, I thought, now up against Dino Blue, who, who herself had been very impressive um, on her chasing debut, beating a good mare who was again behind the two of them here. And impervious, like she was very strong up the run in. And again, her jumping was impressive. Um, like great to see Colin Murphy back with a, with a real good one. You know, with, with all the fond memories of Colin, you know, his, his heyday, I suppose, Brave Inca. Um, feathered Lady. A mare that never gets talked about, but God, what, what, what could she have been? Look back at her form, young listeners, if, if you're not familiar with Feathered Lady. Um, she she retired in um she retired um through injury, unbeaten, having won the Christmas hurdle, I think, very impressively. She looked like she could have been a real one. But anyway, Colum had a few years away from training, he's back. And this is the horse he's been looking for, I'd say. And um, dare I say, uh, call it a cliche if you like, if um, it was WP Mullins beside her name, I'd say she'd be she'd be clear foul for the mare's chase, wouldn't she? Um, I, I'm surprised she's still the price she is. This this is solid form, not just beating Dino Blue, but clearing away from Rossi's Hollow, who, who's a very good mare herself. So, yeah, I'm very much in the impervious camp. Very good mare. Okay, more of a positive knob for the mayor then than anything else thus far. Um, obviously, we are short on racing to talk about, given that we lost all of Saturday's racing. Um, but we did have Friday at Cheltenham, and we saw a couple of okay performances there. And we've got a few novices to talk about from Cork as well. So we'll rattle through what we have on the racing front before we get to some meteor news topics, I think it's fair to say, on the show. And good questions too. Uh, let's kick off TC with Attica for Nikki Henderson at Cheltenham, uh, winning the novices hurdle there on Friday, now two from two. But... You just like given that the stables jet powered as sevens for the supreme. This lad is twenty fives from forties. Um, the sort of pecking order is beginning to become clear, and this guy's not near the top of it. It doesn't appear to be. I mean, they didn't know what to expect. He was he was coming there off the back of a a pretty low level Kempton win, and they were just testing the water, wasn't he? He was very weak in the betting, um, but you know he, he saw it out really well. But 
you look at his price on the exchange of 210 for the Supreme, it probably tells you where he sits in the, in the pecking order, not only at uh, seven barriers, but in the in the wider picture. Okay. Uh, what about Gaelic Warrior uh, for the Mullins-Rich Ritchie team? Obviously, the big Fred Winter punt of last season that just missed, just touched off in the finish by Brazil. Uh, he manages to shed his maiden tag at Tram- Tremor on his seasonal debut, Kev. But, like, what sort of race is that? I mean, <laughs> like... What sort of race is that? I just, I don't, like, how has that even happened? The horses won by, what was it, 90 lengths? 80, 86. Someone said on Twitter, the 180, 87 length backers were actually gutted by only an 86 length. <laughs> like, is, it, is that even, can we constitute that as a race? Like, what? Uh, this is very straightforward. Like, it's, I, find it, I, find it, I find it very difficult to understand. Like, people go on about Constitution Hill and he's this and he's that. This horse has just beaten a horse, right? The horse that finished second ran to about 105 the time before. He's beaten by 86 lengths. Lads, use your skills of addition. Get out a calculator if you need it. This is the greatest hurler of all time and it's not even close. Gaelic Warrior, 86 lengths. Line him up. I see the racing post, the RPR man, licked his finger, stuck it in the air and gave him 150 RPR. I mean, literally, you know, that, with, with, with that, that, that has the runner up running uh, to 57. You know, what, what can you do? You know, He's, um, well, every, uh, clearly, nothing in the race has run any sort of a race other than himself. He's um, like, he's a high class well, horse. Like, he's, 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 he's rephrase that, Kev, given what we'll be talking about later with Ronan McNally's case. <laughs> <laughs> nothing in the race has run any sort of race at all nothing in the race was off behind it the IHRB want us to do now isn't it <laughs> well, how many runners do we have here with 10 eight runners, runners so we, eight we, runners we, we, behind one slips <laughs> up couple pulled up fine what happened five lads so the other six are we on the retrospective retrospective running and riding inquiries which as we get on to are now going to become the norm on a suit so, so you, you have six sets of connections here that won't be sleeping well tonight after vanessa ryan has called them out like, <laughs> it's not vanessa Ryle calling them out it's this is the press that the ihrb is now going to set isn't it oh lord we'll, right. we'll, like, we'll, we'll, uh, we'll talk about it more there. later but but in seriousness i do like this horse like and i was kind of putting them up as a potential supreme horse um for this season um look we did we didn't learn loads here did we um, you you look forward to see him in deeper waters but um based on what he did in the fred winter um or the boodles sorry i should say um despite kind of doing so much wrong with, with his jumping out to his right which kind of remains a thing and it would be a concern going back left-handed but um promising horse great to see him back out bit of a bit of a joke of a race obviously um not the best herder of all time i was joking um just if, if that wasn't clear um and yeah yeah looking forward to seeing him in deeper waters and just to summarise where he's at in terms of the novice hurdlers, uh, he, he's the shortest price for the Ballymore currently at 10 to 1 from 12s after that performance. Bigger prices uh, for the Supreme and the Albert Bartlett. What about Cork? We saw some nice novice hurdlers predominantly from, well, not predominantly, but two from Henry the Bromhead's yard. Um, Hidden Valley Lake being the first of them, TC. Yeah. Um, this horse cut for the Albert Bartlett to seven to one off the back of this performance. And um, amazingly, I don't know, I, I want to rewind and make sure I didn't mishear this, but I'm pretty sure that he was being spoken about as a gold cup horse post-race. Literally a gold cup horse. I mean, talk about 
walking before we running before we can walk. <laughs> like amazing scenes. But anyway, look, all, I'm not getting that overexcited. But uh, he looked like a nice stayer. I think it's fair to yeah. say. Um, yeah, I mean the exchange price is quite close to the fixed odds price uh, for the Albert Bartlett, which tends you to believe that sevens and eights knocking about is not a bad price. But you know, it's still got loads to come out, haven't we? And um, I was probably more impressed by that Arctic Bressel, the the stablemate, winning the two miler. I think they're going. I mean, that's quoted for the Ballymore and and Albert Bartlett as well. But after the race, Henry de Bombhead said. They're going to stick to two miles and go for the uh, Moscow Flyer next. So right. back that horse, maybe look towards the Supreme if being at Cheltenham at this stage is is part of your bag. But yeah, hey, two really nice performances, but from the the Bromhead horses. Okay, do you concur, Kevin Blake? Do you think Hidden Valley Lake is a Gold Cup horse of the future? Yeah, hey, could be. Look, looks a very nice day in Novice Hurdle, anyway. That's for sure. Um, because a little bit unusually for for staying novice herders, this, you know, in the first half of the season, like I'd say, there was actually a bit of depth to this race. Um, like the 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 three that he beat immediately, the three men rivals, like all had a good level of form in the book. Like the runner up had won a listed novice hurdle in good style the time before. Let's be clear about it. Had some very good um, bumper form in the book and finished second to American Mike, etc. And um, and the third, Monbeg Park, had had been impressive in a maiden too. So I'd say there's depth here, and he put them away with plenty of authority. So um, there's a race at Clamel for him that Henry has a good record in. Um, he's run some smashers in at Manel Indo and um, a, a couple of others over the years. So that's the one. So I'd say that'll be his his next port of call. And that often, well, I say that they almost said it doesn't always have a huge amount of depth. It bloody, it bloody did the time Manel Indo ran in it from memory. <laughs> did uh, Aloha beat him possibly? Yeah. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. So yeah, look, he'd go there, and I think you wouldn't want to be underestimating him. I'd say now this was this was smart to my mind. Okay, positive nods for Hidden Valley Lake. Do you have anything to add about Arctic Brazil? And as Tony's touched upon there, the two mile division, um, very expensive point to point purchase, wasn't he? Yeah, I look justified it here. Certainly, on, a, on his first go over hurdles was impressive. Beat a well fancied horse. Um, and again, look deeper waters next time. He'll, he'll face much more. No, there's nothing wrong with the runner up, but he'll face deeper opposition next time. And um, while I wouldn't be leaping aboard uh, for Cheltenham just yet, um, there's certainly a possibility that he could be up to that sort of thing. Okay. Um, quick word for the juvenile division with Blood Destiny, uh, also at court, winning well for the Mullins team now, 20 to 1 from 33s for the, uh, the Triumph hurdle. Any interest in that, Kev? there was in the race now a couple of disappointments in behind um he did his job his jumping was was grand i'd call it a little bit big at times early on um shade right if you if you watch closely late on so his next option i'd imagine will be left-handed most likely at leopards down so that'll just be something to, to keep an eye on he won't want to go too much out to his right around leopards down but um yeah solid start but wouldn't be getting carried away personally Okay, God, we're rattling through these. Um, and finally, TC, you can have any other business from us. Um, sorry, from Cheltenham on Friday. We saw Eva's Oscar tough it out in handicap chase and has now been quoted for the Welsh National. Uh, is currently 16s from 33s for the Tim Vaughan yard. Oh, you're shaking your head in. Uh, it's it's kind of like, um, I think a, a half length defeat of Spirit of the Games is, is not that great a, a form. And 
Uh, he's can't be, out the spirit of the games. Yeah, I mean, he's well, he had every chance to win that, didn't he? And you know, he he looks a willing partner, but there's something not quite right with that horse, is there? But um, no, I, I think if you're looking at it from I think he'll I think he picks up a penalty for that if you're gonna go for the Welsh national. They can't raise him more than a couple of pounds for a half length defeat of spirit of the game. So he's gonna be badly in. Um, no, I wouldn't be. I wouldn't be looking at that one at 16s for the Welsh National. Also, sorry, I can't believe I haven't mentioned this sooner, but we should be congratulating you on Dan De Soir at Cheltenham on Friday, TC. Tips yeah. to have him racing only better. Went off at eight to one in the end. Pretty well back. What what price did you flag her up at for that novice's chase? Twenties. Uh, Twenties. And you can't even accuse him of pushing that himself because I've just asked him. Um but just in, in any other business, Vanessa, we better mention Hong Kong um, live racing week, obviously, but they had their international meeting. And uh, what I wanted to flag was um, the fact that two of the group ones there were won by Irish bred Hong Kong trained horses. They were both bought as yearlings in this neck of the woods. Um, just to put a little underline amongst the, you know, the general chat about talent drains, etc. Um, they're they're two proper world class horses. Those ones, California Spangle and um, Romantic Warrior. You know, I'd love to see them go. Either of them go on their travels next year, and I think it's a possibility. But they're um, they're two proper horses, I reckon. Where were they sourced from? Sorry. Um, they, but they're both Irish breads. I think one. I think one of them certainly went through book one or book two. And right. another one was was bought at the RB and was withdrawn from a breeze up sale and obviously got done um, privately thereafter. But um, oh, yeah, by, by acclamation and Star Spangled Banner to Irish Bay Sires. So there you go. Excellent solid size themselves. Mm. Um, right. I think that wraps up what's been obviously for weather reasons, a pretty weak racing week. Excuse the pun. Uh, we can move on to news and views, and we've got plenty to s- discuss in this section. Um, the first of them is the Rona McNally uh, case that has been brought forward by the IHRB. Uh, they're charging McNally with, I think, is it 11 different breaches of the rules, and they include not running horses on their merits, schooling in public, passing on inside information, um, lack of details on ownerships. There's sort of various, well, there's 11 different breaches of the rules, as I've, as I've described. Um, so there's a lot to unpick here, Kevin Blake. And I mean, it's hard to know where to start, but I think having read the um, what the IHRB have put out so far, and we should just say that Ronan McNally is going to appeal the charges. And so far, we don't have the written reasons from the IHRB and we are waiting on more information from them at this stage and also full hearing date, et cetera, et cetera. So there's still a lot to come out about this case, but on what we know so far, Kevin, A, I my first reaction, I was quite shocked. And B, I thought, my God, they've thrown a lot of resource at this. Yeah, sure. Look, um, like you say, where do you start? Um, first thing you say, like this has been extremely long running. Um, it's one of a handful of kind of well-known cases there that have been in 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 the making for like literally years. And I suppose the first thing I haven't read through it, 
Um, and obviously they have produced quite a lot already because there is an awful lot in this in terms of charges, but um, there isn't the detail. It's just kind of a summary. And I suppose that's the first question that asked because we had we have talked about it on this show loads and loads. Um, you know, the IHRB, I can't help but feel they've made a small bit of a rod for their own back here in terms of releasing this much information, which is, you know, a, a reasonably extensive summary, but still a summary. And you come away from reading down through it going, Jesus, there's an awful lot in that. This is a very serious case. Um, they've given, they, they've indicated what their decisions, which, which charges have been proved and not proved. But the lack of the detail does hold up, does hold it back an awful lot. Um, oh God, there's, a, there's a man at the gate with a parcel. Can I go open the gate? I'll be back in two seconds. Yeah, yeah. It, it looks, it looks big and important. Hold on. Big <laughs> Do you know what that'll be? That'll be the thank you Christmas hamper from Coolmore being delivered. Do you reckon? No. <laughs> he won't tell us if it was, would he? I don't. I'm just wide. I don't think. I don't think I'll be getting one of those this year. <laughs> I'm expecting mine from the opposite team, from the Dolphin. As postman Paul listens to the podcast, actually, there you go. There we go. <laughs> uh, but yeah, sorry. So yeah, the, the lack of the detail um, does hold it back a little bit. It has been kind of highlighted elsewhere. So that's the first concern you have. And then look, you, you go into this. Look, this is unprecedented. Um, I, I think I'm right in saying in that they have started with the end product. This is a number of horses trained by Ronan McNally showing you know vastly improved form um and then they've gone back retrospectively and looked looked at all their runs and picked them apart um stewards on the day found nothing wrong they've gone back retrospectively and found um, what they consider to be wrongdoing breaches of the rules etc um i i remember it being done in england going back oh it might have been 20 years it might have been a horse called celtic son um hands up completely if that's wrong but a, 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 a martin pike horse rattled off about six wins and handicaps and they went back and looked at all his runs um, retrospectively his qualifying runs that's a long time ago so my memory's a bit hazy but i can't recall it being done in ireland does set does seem to set a precedent um, as we kind of jokingly alluded that's to it. earlier um, you know, in, in future, if horses do take off and improve 50 pounds, are they going to go back and look at these, look at their qualifying runs as a matter of course? Um, I dare say it seems unlikely to me. And uh, look, we'll just we'll just cut through this. We'll cut through it, Vanessa, um, because you can talk about it all day. Um, what's happened here is Rona McNally has drawn massive attention to himself. Um, but in the way he's gone about doing what he did, um, which isn't which isn't something that, that, that it was exclusive to him. You know, when you have a handicapping system, be it racing, golf, whatever, um, there is almost an unwritten rule that there's that the, the authorities will tolerate a little bit of play, a little bit of gaming the system, as long as it's a little bit. But um, Rona McNally was, you know, very um, blatant, uh, very, uh, you know, in your face about how he went about it. He put a giant target on his own chest, um, by doing it that way. And the IHRB have clearly said, right, this is extracting the urine and we're going to go and get this guy. And that's what they've done. Reading between the lines, speaking plainly, that's what's happened. Um, one can have a view whether that's right or wrong or singling out um, an individual unfairly when the, this sort of thing does happen elsewhere, albeit perhaps not to the same, with, with the same, um, I suppose, blatant <laughs> disregard for the rules. But um, but that's what's happened. And look, I, I want to read the, the full detail of this, um, especially with regard to the betting aspect of it, because that's very serious. You're, you're, you're dipping into the area of kind of fraud there. Um, 
So we we want to read more detail about that. Um, I gather that this the sentencing hearing won't be heard until January. So one assumes that'll be the very earliest we hear the detail. Perhaps not even till after that. Um, I, I heard a little whisper from someone familiar with the with the case that I believe the book of evidence on this was six hundred pages long. So like this was ex- extremely extensive. Um, so summarizing that into a, into a, 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 an edible <laughs> volume might be tricky, but yeah, an awful lot to pick apart. I'm going to stop talking. I'm sure TC has plenty to say about it too, but um, yeah, there you go. Well, TC, we got a couple of, of questions on this, as I'm sure you would yeah. expect. Uh, one from Ed Johnson, another from Craig. Ed essentially saying that McNally pushed the system too far. He's been caught in the act and now he's facing these ch- charges because he's pushed the system too far and Craig outlining um, similar sort of feelings but then also asking why doesn't the same scrutiny apply to other trainers I guess you know what Kevin's cut to there in terms of they are essentially making a example of McNally he has pushed the rules too far he has taken the piss too much as Kevin said and now they've said enough's enough we're gonna uh, hang draw and call to you for it yeah. Is that fair? When I read the when I when I read the actual piece, um, I, w- I was just confused. I mean, why has it come out now when we don't know any of the details? Which means, however we comment now is going to be incomplete, which is never ideal. Why this couldn't wait till January, I don't know. Um, the reasons they've come out with the the overarching reasons could be applied to lots of owner and trainer organizations and their mo um you know we all know of outfits where you can pretty much tell the way a horse is going to run um you know by its by its price in the 10 minutes leading up to the off and that's not to say i don't i don't particularly buy into that because i'm of the opinion then i'm going to bet my opinion and i have to work on the basis of of racing being straight otherwise would all give up at the game, wouldn't we? But some of the reasons that have been given, you know, mate, he's using the racetrack to achieve a handicap mark for his horse, etc. I mean, you could apply that to nearly every single trainer going. It's the nature of the handicap system. Um, also, the fact that he's passing on information, you know, when, when, when or not to back his own horses. Uh, laying is a, obviously another matter, but basically backing and laying as one of the same thing, really, uh, these days. And, you know, um, we might come on to Darren Yates a bit later. But, um, yeah, I, I, I was just confused by it because there's nothing in there that doesn't go on in in lots of other yards with lots of other owning organisations. He, obviously, he does have a an extreme MO in the way his horses either go off, you know, very short or very, you know, very long, and you don't know what way, the, what way they're going to go. But I'm just mystified at the timing. Uh, of the announcement and the incomplete nature of it. So, and, you know, and if Kevin's right in saying well, we've been led to believe, you know, the full details aren't going to come out to January. So, you know, we're going to be sitting on an appeal after the after the uh, the details come out in January. So, you know, we're going to be kicking the can down the road with the appeal. It could be like six to 12 months before we get to the bottom of it. It's, I'd just, I'd, I'd like to know the reasons uh, why the Irish um, regulatory body came out and, and announced this now. I mean, it's, it doesn't do anybody any favours because it, whenever you leave more questions, you know, answer to answer than, than I've been answered, it's, 
it's far, far from ideal. But like I did say, if, if they are going to go back, if they are, if this is going to be their benchmark, they better employ some more. You know, they better, you know, better do their own betting analysts and uh, and, and employ a lot more people to to monitor. You know, the integrity side of it because yeah, the, well, the BHA does all that for yeah. them now. They they subcontract that they subcontract that subcontracted the betting investigations yeah. aspect of it out to the BHA. Look, if I had to guess why. It has appeared this way. I, I suspect they were feeling a lot of pressure in terms of how long this had gone on. And they had initially intended to give their verdict um, like six weeks earlier or that. And it was the, it, it was adjourned um, for, for some personal reasons within the case. So it, it's one of those. They're probably they're probably kicking the line a bit mad, mad to get this out there. And they, they got delayed out of their hands and they just wanted to get something out there before Christmas would, would be would be my guess. But is that is that the right thing? I don't know because when you like we like we always say when you leave a when you leave a lack of full information there, it does create a vacuum, and that, that does tend to get filled with, with all sorts of nasty bits and pieces. So um, maybe waiting and delivering a fuller um, level of information might have been the better way to do it. Well, look, obviously we'll be covering this in a lot more detail, I would imagine, come January and beyond, given how this looks like it's going to play out. It is going to be a long road ahead and with plenty of questions to answer, but we will cover it on this show. Um, Let's move on and talk about the whip, everyone's favourite topic. (laughs) New whip rules just around the corner, about to be implemented in the UK a month ahead of the Cheltenham Festival, so it'll be February, and all of a sudden and these wit rules which were announced a good few months a uh, good few weeks ago now uh, months july. ago months sorry good july yeah, yeah thank you months ago um all of a sudden the jockeys are not happy about the new whip rules so they were announced then there was no sort of major uproar from the jockeys and obviously there were a couple of jockeys on the whip consultation group um the new whip rules get announced, everyone's quite quiet, and now all of a sudden, because the stipendary stewards have been flagging up two certain jockeys, which rides would have resulted in bans under the new rules, uh, the jockeys have now got quite sort of irate about the new rules and have been voicing their opinion. Um, we have, again, had some questions on this, uh, including from Patrick O'Donoghue, who has asked... How poor and completely out of touch are the new whip rules? What are they actually trying to achieve? Is it proven it hurts a horse or is it just an image thing? Makes zero sense to me. Um, That is a sort of, well, I guess the main, the main topic this week, TC has been the uproar from the jockeys and why is it so late and what are they so upset about and what can they do now? Have they left it too late to make any changes to the new rules? No, I'd, I'd bet odds on that there's going to be some significant changes before it's brought in in February. Mm. Um, oh, it's it's you know the, this is not new. I mean, when they were brought in, in mid July, uh, I don't know how extensive the consultation between Scudamore, McDonald, and the PGA down to the other jockeys. But I mean, I I did a column with Nico de Boinville in mid July as soon as these were announced, and you can tell. He was not happy back then. So it's nothing new with him. Um, other jockeys I've spoken to, you know, I've seen some correspondence with the BHA back in July. And it was clearly, it, they were clearly, un, there were clearly people unhappy then. Now, there was, uh, whether that they should have come out and spoken out then, 
they probably should have done. But I think jockeys were asked to kind of like toe the line here, see where, see how it beds in, and then you know consultation and changes you know, would be made. I, I've seen some correspondence from BHA that suggests that they were more than happy to to see how they see how this kind of like happened from July or see what happened from July onwards and then kind of like sit down again. So I think it's a bit disingenuous to say to, you know, for, for jockeys, you know, coming out and saying they should have said things earlier. I think they did in private. I think the BHA should acknowledge that fact. And I think going forward, I think we will see changes. Now, when you get, well, we've heard tales in the last two or three weeks, jockeys being sat down after they don't think there's anything wrong, just say you'd have got 12 days for that. You'd have got a £5,000 fine. You, you, you might have got a 12-day ban. I mean, these are not isolated incidents, and, and I think it really has taken them aback. Um, and I think, you know, the BHA should realise that they have made some fundamental errors. Uh, now, I think what's really taken them aback is 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 the issue about hitting the whip in the backhand position, that you have to raise your whip up, arm up really high to get to the back, to hit in the right place. Now, that's if that hasn't been brought up before, that didn't, you know, this was a 15... 15 strong committee who looked into this, who fell into the BHA. And it was it went on for over a year, didn't it? Uh, I know there were delays for various other reasons, but the main reason for this whip coming in, it, it's all about perception, wasn't it? And the perception, answering, come back to the questions, it, it clearly doesn't hurt, you know, et cetera. The, the perception issue is going to be null and void. If you have a situation whereby you have to go Jockeys have to go Luke Morris style right up in the air to go back and hit me in the right place. So visually, it's going to look even worse for the sport than it is at the moment when they're using it in the forehand position. And that's before, you know, the Irish come over, um, you know, for Cheltenham and the like. So I think the main reason was perception. The way that they, the BHA want the jockeys to act by hitting the horse in the backhand position will totally undermine that. So I think that will, I think that might have to go. Um, and just you know, that's speaking. what and that that's what the jockeys this weekend seem to be the most have most issue with in terms of they're saying that some jockeys won't be as you've said won't be able to use the whip in the new correct way. Yeah. Um, because they about it looking worse because of injury or or just the way they're built, the way they ride, their style that holding the whip in the backhand position isn't going to work for them. They're not going to be able to connect with the horse in the right place. And so surely, and I just can't help but feel this whole backhand forehand position thing. I just don't think any Joe blogs out on the street gives a flying duck where you hit the horse. Do you know what I mean? Like, yeah, but (laughs) Vanessa, like I, it's it's you say Joe blogs. Like I, before this announcement was made, I bet if you lined up a thousand experienced racing fans and ask them to show you the difference between backhand and forehand, the vast majority wouldn't have a fun. Oh, up, up until this weekend, I wouldn't have had a clue. It's, Me neither. Not a clue. Not a clue. Up until this I, I, I've had to educate myself on the backhand forehand situation. And even after the education I put myself through, I'm thinking, what the hell does it matter? It literally yeah. doesn't matter. Like I, I just find it a bit frustrating because this was a long process, a thorough process. You know, they made a, they made, they, they clearly, the BHA clearly set out to have as kind of diverse uh, a range of views as possible on this. Um, I think we've ended up with a bit of a pig's ear, haven't we? 
because look, the, the, the way I, I the way I'd approach this if it were me, because we look, we know the whip isn't a welfare issue. You know, I think everyone agrees on that. Even even the the increasingly um, lunatic fringe RSPCA, um, but like uh, to me, the way you approach this, right, is you, you make the rule unbreakable essentially. Because the only time the, the, the whip comes into focus is when the rules are broken. So you make the rules unbreakable. And it's quite simple to do that. And they've kind of they've kind of poked around what they needed to do here. And they didn't have the they didn't have the um the testicular fortitude to, to do it. You know, never mind your backhand forehand thing. If you just set your limit at 10 and said, right, if you go over 10, lads, you're disqualified. No one is going to hit the horse more than eight times. Ever. And if you do, you're a clown and no one's going to put you up anymore, as well as getting disqualified. You make the rules unbreakable. You do it something along those lines. You do it like that. And we don't get any more whip breaches. And guess what? No one ever talks about it anymore. And that's surely mission accomplished. Because you, 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 we, we, we continue, even if they bring in these rules, we're going to continue to have the same sort of debates that we've been having in recent weeks where tight finish Saturday, big race, one jockey goes two or three over, wins a short head, beating a guy that stayed within the rules. And everyone's kind of throwing their hands up because saying he cheated and there's no penalty, you know, beyond a couple of days ban. You keep the race. The owner keeps the race. The trainer keeps the race. Everyone gets paid out on the horse that cheated. And that's logically and fundamentally isn't going to sit well with an awful lot of people. So, like, to me, uh, without, without trying to oversimplify the thing, you make the rules unbreakable and you, you avoid all these issues, all this public chat. Uh, and, and we often talk about perception and the day we needing to be aware of what the public think. I, I genuinely don't think the public give two continentals about this issue. Oh. We're creating this from within. You know, you, like I've said it before on the show, like if you ask any school child, in, in Britain or Ireland to say, right, pretend you're riding a horse there, Johnny. And they'll run around and cha cha. You know, it's something we associate with riding horses is, is, is them being struck with whips. You know, like this isn't, we're not trying to, if you're trying to, if you started off with hands and heels racing and you're trying to persuade the public why you should add a whip into the equation, then you might have a problem. But it's been like this for hundreds of years, lads and ladies. You know, anyway, maybe I'm oversimplifying it. It's just frustrating that we're going to end up with this absolutely head exploding debate again. We had enough of it 10 years gonna, ago, lads. It really is going to rumble on, isn't it? I mean, what I would like to have seen is Painful. 15, 15 strong panel, go away and come back with your recommendations. It's kind of like a self-fulfilling prophecy that you have to, you have to, you know, recommend change when change wasn't needed. Now, it's all mm. about our sports insecurity and nothing, and nothing illustrates that more than the idiots who go out there and just say, oh, call, don't call it the whip, call it the pro-cush. Uh, and... You get into I've had conversations with people who, who are not into racing, and they all end up with so the pro cush is a whip, yeah. So you know, until Susie Den on Countdown tells me that pro cush is allowed on Countdown, then I'm not going to I'm not going to use the word pro cush, am I? It's it's a whip. This is it. It's it's so ingrained. It's so ingrained. We really don't need to address that because it's 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 so ingrained. Like it's uh it's there. It's always been there. Look, lads, as you've already touched upon, this is just going to rumble on and on and on because of the back of the... Such a pig's ear. 
recent up profile. Just very, very quickly, I know we've got to move on. What's the what's the kind of opinion in Ireland on all this, Kevin? Kind of well, look, they, they would they'd be very slow to follow anyway. You know, when the when the British changed their rules initially, maybe what was it, 12 years ago, something like that. And the Irish said, look at the time, no, we don't think there's an issue. Eventually they did say, right, we need to bring in a limit. Um, they've brought in a limit that, um, and look, I, I like. I don't think it's been, I don't think it's been well adhered to. To be honest, like, look, I, I see every Stuart support for every race meeting, and there's always, um, pretty much always, at least one whip breach. You know, especially when it comes to amateurs and things like that. And, um, like, I don't think that when they, they were asked where they're going to follow the BHA in terms of tightening up further. And I don't think they have any great interest in doing so. Personally, I think they probably need to increase the penalties to get a little bit more um, adherence to the rules. But yeah, talk about talk about making a run for your own back and creating create, creating creating negative energy around the sport. Yeah. Like we love God, we have we have we have like a, just no. to put an under just to put an underline around it. God Lord knows that we have enough issues in British racing without kind of magicking up and, and resurrecting this this yoke of a problem that isn't actually a problem. It's, nothing, it's, it's frustrating. Nothing. What? Just a quick question here, Kevin. It's a very, it's a one word answer. What, what gets you more aggravated, the whip or the race planning situation? Um, not the race planning situation, because that, that's actually a fundamental, serious problem. You know the fact that the whip okay. isn't really a problem. Okay. We just we, we just find a way to talk Don't about. Don't start it. him up on race planning. Yeah, we're still we're here on Tuesday. Uh, and never yeah. mind. And never mind the interference debate. That gets me more <laughs> oh, yeah. than anything. Yeah. <laughs> um, the things that annoy Kevin Blake the most. Um, let's move he, on. He's getting near me with his pet hates. Yeah, that's. He'll true. be eating two of me shortly. Uh, to hate to, to hate it, lads. You have to love it. <laughs> um, at least it shows you care, Kev. That's how I like to think of it. You're passionate yeah. about it. Um, let's move on to the weather. Weather, weather, weather. I joked about it at the top of the show. And this weekend with British racing, we sort of went from a high to a low when it comes to dealing with the weather because we had the high of managing to get Cheltenham on on Friday, which was a huge effort from the ground staff at Cheltenham. They put down all the covers and they managed to get racing on. Uh, not the same could be said for Saturday's racing, which was a shame. We lost that card, obviously. Um, some people saying we should have sacrificed Friday's racing to try and get Saturday on, but that's a whole nother debate. And then meanwhile, ITV then refocused their attentions <laughs> to Newcastle's cards, an all-weather card, an all-weather card. But all of a sudden, literally with, I don't know, what was it, half an hour to go before the first race? The track is suddenly announced as unraceable due to it being frozen a few inches below the surface. We've had plenty of questions on this as well from John MC, who's asked, how can the clerk of the course say that the track is raceable yet unanimously stewards, jockeys and trainers say it's not. Tom Air has also sent in a question about whether all weather tracks can be called all weather tracks. Um, Matt has fired in a question about rebranded inspections being precautionary inspections when he says it's utterly misleading to call them that um and freddie proctor said get a groundsman on someone with ex with experience of all weather to explain in layman's terms the technical side of trying to produce raceable ground in the face of this cold weather well i think in like the point here so a lot of the uproar has been around around newcastle going back to 
John MC's original question about the fact that the track was deemed as raceable by the clerk of the course and everyone on track until it would appear a trainer and jockey wandered out onto the track and said, hang on a minute, this isn't raceable. Um, it's a little bit worrying is the word TC that it took yeah. for a trainer or a jockey to go out there and flag up the frozen ground underneath the surface. And the now Newcastle and Ark, I think, have come back and said, you know, they're looking into how this has happened because they treated the surface as standard for the temperatures, but yet the result was not the same. But it is a bit of a worry worry if it's taking the participants to flag up an unsafe surface. Yeah, I mean, just very quickly, I mean, Doncaster and Cheltenham did all that they could do. Um, they had to try to race on Friday because that's the rules of racing. And it's just unfortunate the weather, you know, went against them. So I think we can part that to one side. I mean, that's a whole different debate. But this is far more serious, isn't it? I mean, if you've got jockeys and trainers turning up walking the course, you know, chucking away the top layer and then it's just frozen solid. It's, 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 you know, as soon as Simon Mapletoff, you know, highlighted it on, uh, on Sky Sports Racing, and I, I was watching, and it was literally about 45 minutes before the racing was meant to start, including on ITV. And you can tell it had no chance whatsoever. It was absolutely frozen solid. And, you know, there was no doubt, there was no doubt what's, you know, it, there was no, it was no doubt whatsoever that it was going to be abandoned. Now, and obviously, it, it, got, it turned even worse. I mean, Newcastle just didn't stick their hand up and just say, "Yeah, go." They actually, Eloise Quayle, the clerk of the course, came out and said, "You know, it basically said, in our opinion, it's raceable, uh, but we have to take into account the trainers and jockeys who, who, who don't think it's safe." So that that smacked to me of kind of like um, maybe insurance angles, maybe compensation angles. They'll come out and saying that. But it wasn't a good look for the course whatsoever. And um, I think she was slightly evasive about saying, uh, well, have you been harrowing the track all night? As is apparently you know, standard in these circumstances. I think Lingfield did it all throughout Sunday and able to get on on, on Monday. Um, and evasive about that, said, you know, normal procedures were done. We harrowed it from early, early light this morning. It was just a really, really bad look. And, it's kind of, you know, I say it's, it was, it was pretty farcical. I mean, Doncaster and Cheltenham was unfortunate. They did all they could, but Newcastle, and obviously they abandoned the next day as well for a hard ground. And it wasn't, you know, we're not talking about real extremes of temperatures there for an, for a weather surface. No, I thought it was shambolic. Yeah, I think like something will be looked at. Well, they have said they're going to look into it because like you say, it's not, it, it's ridiculous to say that this is extreme weather. It's not, it's just dropped below freezing a little yeah. bit. And obviously you can completely understand, as you said, the jumps tracks not being able to race, but as for the all weather tracks, it does seem a little bit odd, Kevin. Eloise Quayle is a new clerk of the course up at Newcastle and she came from Utoxeter where um, she, see, well, I, I think she does an excellent job. She comes, I personally think she often comes across very well but mm. in this instance yeah. you know, she, it's her first track that she's clerking out with an all weather surface and this will be her first to my knowledge her first winter and deep frost and so it's fair to say there might be lessons to be learned but we're, we're no, all just before Kev comes in I mean, I'm only saying in this instance I, I too have heard you know very good things about her but yeah yeah look we didn't not, come no, across no, well no. on Saturday morning whatsoever right for whatever reason yeah yeah, no, these things are very tricky, Vanessa, because it's ultimately subjective. 
Like we saw like a prime example of that a few weeks ago with Nicky Henderson and Paul Nichols. You know, one was delighted to run, the other did not want to run um, on the same surface. You know, and there would have been the case of maybe if he took out every single trainer with a runner and that Newcastle car had stepped him out in the track, there might have been plenty that wanted to run. I don't know. I wasn't there. I couldn't st- couldn't stick my own boot in it. Um, so, look, it, it's tricky. It, it, it was an involving situation, I suppose, in that they w- it went from being one of the, the less important cards on the, on the day in a, in a wider day of national action, etc., to being the, the one last hope for British afternoon racing. If that had been the case... Might the you know if that it was if it had been clear the day before that, that was going to be in the case maybe they would have treated it differently maybe I don't know look I know from experience of working for trainers at this time of year how much of a nightmare it is to keep um, you know tracks like that you know poly track or, or tap it or whatever how tricky it is to keep them going and and sometimes it is a case of having a harrow out all night long but it's a lot easier for a trainer to do that because it's generally one run up, one, you know, whereas at an all-weather track, you need multiple tractors. It's a huge undertaking. Um, and look, you it also have issues. Look, it was it a was really not ideal situation for anyone, you know, broadcasters, Newcastle themselves, nightmare scenario. No one gets out of bed, you know, wanting that that outcome. So, um, look, it, it, was, it, it was difficult, but look, on, on we go. Lessons learned, hopefully, and on we go. On we go. And we've got loads of good questions to get through. So I want to give them the time they deserve. Um, kick off with TBY has asked about race planning. I mean, what, if any, was the logical, the logic behind having two identical listed juvenile hurdles on the same day at Doncaster and Cheltenham? Six horses double declared. Well, I think we can all agree that that is just baffling race planning. Um, and yeah, pretty mad. But... On we go to this next question, which I thought was quite interesting from Jason Jackson has asked, will national hunt racing be regularly on terrestrial free to air TV in the next five years, aside from the national and the Cheltenham festival, the decline and poor management is so bold race courses, field sizes, lack of engagement, etc. Not a chance in a million. You tune in as a neutral anymore. I mean, I understand what Jason's saying in some regards, TC, but yeah. the viewing figures don't equate to that. The viewing figures are very good and are on the rise for national hunt racing on terrestrial. Well, I, I, I haven't seen any. I haven't seen any figures. So, I, mean, I think in comparison, in yeah, in comparison, I think national hunt racing is is kind of. It doesn't really matter to me because once one season's finished, I'm ready for another. But I think national hunt racing is generally more loved because it's it's a bit more interesting, isn't it? Really, in in many aspects. But no, I think it will soldier on. It's clearly got massive problems, and the problems are only going to get worse before they get better. So, I think he's being a bit kind of like. No, I think he makes a reasonable point in that. Look, look I, I think it's very much underappreciated in the industry, kind of how the job ITV racing are doing, not, in t- not just in terms of what they produce, but in terms of the number of days they're taking. Like they're taking a, a like a massively increased number of days on terrestrial TV. They've ruined like, my Christmas, I can tell you that much. <laughs> it's, it's one of those you do, you don't know what you've got till it's gone. It's, it's it's a huge amount, a huge amount of um, days on terrestrial TV. But I think Jesse, Jason makes a fair point in that it's all well and good having a platform, but if you're if, if ITV are then being served up like a really 
unappetizing fare in many cases in terms of what they this polish of, they can't yeah exactly polish. like they, they can only do their best with it but jesus when you've when you have a heap of small field novice chases and, and other uncompetitive races like is it you know should they be better off not showing it because it's it's like you, you, i felt so sorry for the lads there a couple of saturdays Having to having to shine up some some of that fair that they had yeah. to broadcast and and um, be enthusiastic about so it just it just wasn't very good you know no I I agree I think it's there's only so many times that they can stand there and pretend that they've seen a really good race when we all know deep down that they probably haven't um, this I thought was a good question Kevin it's coming your way TJ has asked more of a point on the flat but when trainers say not sure if he'll stay in inverted commas before a race why haven't they trained them to find out a human athlete athlete wouldn't run a race having never trained over the distance seems amateur to find out when money owner and punter is at stake um well, no, in human athletes' case, you would. Like, you don't run a marathon distance before a marathon. You just don't do that. Um, like, with horses, you, you, can, you can try. But, look, there's no prize money at home, lads. And do you want to really be dipping the tank just for your own benefit, for your own thoughts, um, or, or do you just run them on the racetrack and find out? Um, and look, I'm sure some fellas do it. Um, some some fellas are more rigorous with their with their homework and their um you know trials that they might run in race course gallops etc but um really it depends what you're dealing with as well like if you're dealing with a young horse you know a horse that was you know going to run the derby having never run further than a mile you're, you're, you're sure you want to work them over a mile and a half um yeah. it's just not the, it's just not the way you do it horses are a bit different to humans um very so look, you could you could if you wanted but in practice i don't think it's something that you'd be making a habit of uh, Scott Wilson has asked one for you, TC. We've had this yeah. a few times, but you can answer this. If I'm backing a horse at double figure odds, my first instinct is to back it each way. Yet you'll often tip up a horse at a big price as win only. What nudges you in that direction? The makeup of the race, a horse's run style, extra places on offer or not? Everything, really. Uh, when I'm tipping, I only tip at Betfair prices. So I uh, have to take into the the each way terms on offer, the current price, what I think the price will be at the offer on the exchange, any number of factors. There's there's no right or wrong reason. It's just every every uh, instance has to be dealt with his own merits. Okay. Um, Brad Maxley has asked, this is a good one as well, another one for Kev, probably one for Kevin. Technology has changed the way we train and analyse training and game performance in most sports. Would you have examples of how technology has influenced, approached, either in training or post-race analysis? Yeah, there'll be loads of examples now. I want 20 minutes to answer that properly. But uh, yeah, look, there's an awful lot goes on um, behind the scenes in 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 especially I suppose the, the the bigger operations you know breeding training that that never would never see the light of day publicly that you know because people don't want to talk about the things they're doing that might be giving them an edge in terms of analysis and 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 uh, such things so yeah the answer would be would be probably more than you realize yeah but but Kevin's not giving away any secrets essentially um <laughs> onwards we go uh, David Brown has asked last week, really, but when a race goer is going to get treated properly, the absolute embarrassment of Catterick and Wincanton going ahead with fog covering the track is laughable. Everyone wants racing on, but what kind of value are you getting when you can't see anything? Anyone? Yeah, I mean, um, 
I found it staggering that William Cannon went ahead, to be perfectly honest with you. Um, a sport ceases to be a sport when you can't see it. I was watching rugby yesterday and um, it looked like the, the Munster-Toulouse match was going to be called off and the ref had the instruction, if you can't see all four corner flags at the same time, then he has to call it off. I mean, nobody at Wing Canton could see absolutely anything. Handicappers couldn't, punters couldn't. How are you meant to handicap those kind of races? It's madness. How are you meant to police? How are you meant to police those races? Integrity as well, yeah. How, how, like I, I thought it was farcical, yeah. and I couldn't believe I couldn't believe the people that were defending it. You know, the jockeys were happy. I bet they were happy. You well, know, you but it's, it's not about the jockeys. It's not about the trainers. It's not about the owners. It's about a product. But even one. I thought, I thought it was a joke. He land, landed after the last or was coming up the home straight and he couldn't really see where the winning line is. Or so there was some quote like that. So he just it was literally people defend. I think Mick, Mick Fitzgerald went on there defending it, etc. It's in it was indefensible. It's absolute farce. Yeah, okay. I thought it was, I, that, that really did that the respond that situation, the response to it now. And it's not the first time it's happened. You know, it happens over here as well. But like, geez, there needs to be the, the, maybe the the the, the BHA and the IHRB maybe need to sit down and create a bit of a precedent and and, and uh, have a protocol in place because that's just so deeply yeah. unsatisfactory on many, many fronts that it, it should be a simple thing, really, shouldn't it? Uh, Sam Maguire has asked, thoughts on booking slash fulfillment fees added to ticket prices by race courses. I, this is, I didn't know about this. Wolverhampton advertising £11.50 for general admission on Monday, but with an unavoidable fulfillment fee of £3 added when getting to the checkout and opting for an e-ticket, adding over 25% onto the price. Now, I, I asked Twitter about this because we've had this question before, and apparently it's standard across theatres, racetracks, etc. Uh, there is no good reason why that's charged. It's unbelievable. Okay. Well, just unbelievable then. Um, boxing versus racing. Flag, flagship to the UK. In light of recent events, which of the following is more riddled with cheating, corruption and drugs? Horse racing or boxing? Discuss. Well, I don't know anything about boxing, but um, so it's not really for me to answer, but I'd like to think not us, essentially. Uh, Chris has asked, is anti-post racing, uh, anti-post betting dead? In 2015, the Duvan under Sofaheen treble had an SP of eight to one. In 2023, the Fasal Vega John Bon Constitution Hill treble has an anti-post, uh, an anti-post is six to one. And then he just rounds his, his point up by telling us that anti-post betting is dead. Yeah, I mean, he, he, would, he regrets to kind of like mention that the 2015 treble would have actually been a four-timer and the, four, and the fourth in that ACA was a certain last spent a uh, last flight faller in any power. So oh. uh any um, post is 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 waning for me anyway. Okay. Uh Donnie D has asked if rumors of Princess Zoe are true and what race would most uh, then what race would most suit her in March, assuming the owners are only doing this with Cheltenham in mind, surely. What are those rumors, Kevin? Going hurdling. Going hurdling. And she, and she does she does go hurdling apparently, yeah. It's um I don't, we haven't mentioned it. We should have mentioned it, actually, because uh, if she turns up in the mayor's hurdle, she might meet two, uh, two former champion hurdle winners in Epitome. Well, we haven't discussed that, but obviously that was sort of muted in the... in the Henry That Henry. cannot happen. That just simply cannot happen. No, no, that, would, that, that, would, that would sum up plenty, wouldn't it? 
Oh, I, I, as soon as I, I was watching that live, Kevin, that interview, for anyone wondering what we're talking about, Henry the Bromhead just talking about the idea that Honeysuckle might go to the mayor's hurdle instead of the champion hurdle. And as soon as the words came out of his mouth, I thought, <laughs> Kevin Blake is going to be doing his nuts. Yeah. I saw your tweet. There was a two eyes emoji. What does that mean? That a two eyes emoji is just like means look at this. <laughs> yeah, if I if I if I turn my camera that way, you'd see a dent in the wall. That's where I headbutted this when I was watching <laughs> yeah. that. Yeah. Right. Um, I'm being told to wrap this up. Sorry, I've only just looked at my messages late. Barry is also putting a dent in the wall, given <laughs> I'll answer the rest on Twitter. I'll answer the rest on Twitter. Just the couple that we didn't get to, but I think we covered the best questions. And thanks, as always, for sending your questions in. We do really appreciate it. Thanks to you boys, as always. We'll be back on Thursday with Racing Only Better. Not sure how much racing we'll be looking forward to, given the current weather forecast here in the UK and the inability for any of us to be able to deal with snow here in the UK. So... Fingers crossed we might get a bit of racing even on the all-weather this weekend. Uh, But in the meantime, everyone, have a good week and thank you very much for listening. 